Luke Walton Talks Lakers. I'm Jonathan Gilley, and joining me as always from our studio in Los Angeles for our special post-trade deadline episode, it's Luke, Coach Walton. What up, Coach? How's it going, John? I appreciate the drama, the pauses. Is an effective, effective use of pause to really highlight my nickname there. No, I'm not the actual coach of the Luke Walton Lakers. Yeah, that's right. It used to be Kobe's Lakers. Now it's Luke Walton's Lakers. I am a Luke Walton, though, bona fide and real. Um, I just want to thank all of our followers, the people that are in on the joke, and now you are too. And please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you get your pods. And if you're enjoying the pod, please share with your friends and please uh, throw us a comment on iTunes, preferably. And follow us on the social medias like www.LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. If you head over there, you'll be able to find the rest of our social media links. Awesome, Luke. So obviously the trade deadline is passed. We're going to start off with a quick round of in or out. Are you in or out on that? I'm in. Perfect. We're off to a good start. All right. First in or out. Los Angeles Lakers trading Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. The Cleveland Cavaliers for Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and the Cavs top three protected 2018 first round pick. Are you in or are you out? I'm in and thoroughly surprised. Yes. So in. So in, I can't, I, I literally went to my coworker yesterday morning and was like, are you ready for the snooze fest? That's going to be today's trade deadline. I thought right. nothing would happen. And then the Cavs are like, blow up the team. Yeah. Literally within 15 minutes of me saying that I like, I had to turn to my boss and say, Hey, I'm not going to be useful for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> we, we, there's some important stuff to attend to. We got to get on the phones. <laughs> I've got, a, pod- talk to I've got a podcast I need to be prepared for. <laughs> Somebody get Zach Lowe on the line. <laughs> I've got some, some, I've got some uh, DMs to slide into. <laughs> hey, Channing Fry. <laughs> want to be right, on we'll, a we'll podcast? Talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about the trade. We'll talk more about the trade. I don't want to screw up our in and out flow. All right, there you go. Good, good job by Coach keeping us, keeping us on track. Uh, all right, so next in or out. That's what I do. Uh, starting Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> at what position at the one like we, we can't start him over lonzo uh, like if if we moved lonzo to the two and just had a combo guard thing uh yeah i'm into it that'd, that'd be fun to see especially against some lineups like that don't have any defense um like yeah that'd be super fun sons i would love to see isaiah lonzo backward mm. court that'd be super fun but yeah generally no i'm against it i think six man is the proper role for him on this team yeah i'm i'm pretty hard out on this one i may even be in yeah. the camp of like let's buy him out Really? Yeah. You don't can, even want to see the man play? We can we can talk more about that, but I'm I'm maybe even in that and and part of it I think is for his own well being. Like I don't think he's healthy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah. and like friend of the pod, Alex Manessis and I were talking yesterday and he just thinks that IT is just too stubborn to mm. to not play. Like how Dwight and, Howard was when we got him for the rental. Yeah, and that he's worried about he still thinks he can get that max contract that he was hoping for after last oh, yeah. season. And if he doesn't play, then there's very little chance of that. So that's, that's where I kind of sit let, with let, let me then return uh, to this. Say that he's in the same position at the end of the season that KCP was at the beginning of the season. And say that we don't get uh, all of our cap space taken up by two max free agents like LeBron and Paul George or something this offseason. So say that we have the cap room need to burn it got to hit the minimum whatever would you sign isaiah thomas to like a one year 18 million deal 
at the end of the season? Or do you just really think that he just doesn't fit with what we got? So I think that I would not do that um, for, for a couple reasons. I would not do that because one, uh, until we see him healthy and playing with the same explosion that he had in Boston, he's not the same player. He's a huge defensive liability, which we'll talk about later. And without the explosiveness, he, he's an undersized point guard who can't get separation. Um, and also, if we look at the contract that Lou Williams just got, not even a mid-level, not even the full 8.9, 8 million for three years. The, only the first two years are, are um, guaranteed. Uh, 1.2 is guaranteed to the third year. Um, I think that there are going to be good players available for way less than that. I just don't get why Lou Williams doesn't get his money. Like, like he's so good. But there's, it, no, it, there's no money to go around this offseason. That's problem. a good point. That'll be something we can really dig into because that, that's one of the biggest strengths and one of the reasons why that trade that we just made with the Cavs could ultimately prove to be a game changer for the entire organization. Yep. Okay, next in or out. Uh, re-signing Julius Randle. In if the contract's manageable. We can't yeah. lock up a max spot with him. Right. We, it has to be a manageable contract. Um, particularly if, if we're able to get something where we can you can backload the deal a little bit more or if we can get something where we have some team options in there, um, that something like that would be ideal, particularly because Randall has the potential to grow into a real trade piece. I'm surprised that he's not already based on just his potential and his growth this season, but I'm willing to take the risk at least to, to take a flyer on him because either potential trade later down the line when a team needs somebody like him because there aren't a lot of people like him or just to buckle in for his growth because he's getting actively better. He's getting bigger and stronger. He's bullying people on the block. And he's, he's finally doing the things that we were talking about before, using his size, penetrating the lane, not getting an offensive foul when he's doing it. And then even if he misses the shot, getting the rebound. And, you know, if he has to take three shots and he's able to get the rebound and shoot, put it back up, get the <laughs> rebound shoot, I'm all for that. We need a guy like that on this team. You need a guy like that in the playoffs. So I, I'm, I'm definitely... At this point in the season, I'm in on re-signing Randall. How about yourself? Yeah, I think I am in on re-signing Randall to a mid-level exception contract. So that's eight yeah, that right. million, something that in right. that range. Um, but that's only if we can get a, get off of Dang's money. Um, mm, and I have some yeah. scenarios later I'll share, but I think even stretching Dang doesn't yeah. make a big enough difference, I think. I think we've got to yeah. get out of the contract before I... I'm willing to to sign Randall. Jonathan thinks Rob Palinka should kill Luol Deng. You heard it here first. House of Cards. Luke Luke Coach Walton wants GM Rob Palinka to murder Luol Deng. Some House of Cards shit. Well, did you hear the the someone asked um, someone asked Magic yesterday? They're like, did did Rob uh, did Rob have any conversations about moving Luol Deng's contract? And and Rob was like, well. Uh, it didn't move, and Magic turned and was like, "Yeah, man, I wish it did," or just like something like that. <laughs> just, just outwardly expressing his desire for that trade to have moved, well, or for it, that contract it, to have been traded. It's, it's a it's a dumb situation for all parties involved because you know that like Dang when he was signing the contract was like, "Oh yeah, I'm getting paid. I'm playing for the Lakers," and now he has the potential to be not even a bench warmer, a guy that just goes to the locker room every once in a while and sits in the corner for the next few years. I mean, yeah, it's like pretty, pretty sad. Yeah. It's and it, like from our perspective, pretty sweet because like we're not very good at basketball and like, of course we'd love that contract. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so next one up, re-signing KCP. I, I can't, I can't in good, good conscience say yes to that right now. I, I, I love what he does defensively to us, and I think that he was the perfect rental at this time because he was able to teach the young guys a little bit about how to switch, a little bit about how to fight through screens and, and cut off passing lanes, all of those really good things. But we, we run a lot of plays for him as a shooting guard, and I think mm -hmm. we need more of a, a true shooting guard that can you know ISO up or, or roll off of a screen and hit like just deadly from three or the mid-range and I just don't quite see it in KCP right now offensively obviously his defense is great uh, but I, I think we need somebody that's going to bring us both um, and I like for me I, I could see Paul George being our shooting guard um, I know that that's not really a position that he's generally playing but with Brandon Ingram at the three I think that PG at the two makes sense in my head as you know and he's a two-way player so yeah, I think on that last piece, I think what it would really come down to is if we're able to get one or more of the, if we're able to get one or both of LeBron or Paul George, I think our team becomes pretty positionless outside of Alonzo. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I think on KCP, I think I'm going to, I'm going to take a similar route here that I did with Julius. I'm open to it, but only if the circumstance is correct. So sure. only if we're able to get away from Luol Deng's contract and only if we've got uh our other stars already signed. And then again, only to that like eight to $9 million a year range. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to go for that just based on what he, he declined a, a deal that was that good from Detroit last season. Yeah. But, but it's a different, it's a different season. That's true. Like, no You're one's right. going right. to pay him that much now. You know, that's the, that's the thing like that, that the, the players thought that the owners were trying to dupe them when they suggested cap smoothing. And so the players shot it down and they said, no, we want all our money now, two seasons ago. And then we got into this weird situation where you had players who were free agents in that year making way more than like superstars on their team, right? Yes. And what everyone kept saying was like, hey, it's okay, guys, you'll get paid two or three years from now. Mm -hmm. It's two or three years from now and they're not going to get paid, right? Because mm -hmm. all the money was given to, uh, to the guys that were free agents at oh, the Mozgov year, you know? The can we just can we just talk about the Washington Wizards real quick? They have three players with over hundred million dollar contracts. Yeah, and and if John Wall isn't healthy, he's just not that good of a player. Like he's he's all explosiveness, all athleticism. Obviously, he might be the most explosive player in the entire league. But you take that away, and what do you have? Yeah, I, well, I mean, the, he's a great example because like the Wizards probably can't keep him. Because because of the designated player uh, provisions for like players that you draft, right? Like they're not gonna, they can't afford to pay him all of the money that that they could, right? Because of that situation, Aaron Gordon's kind of a similar thing, where it's like you just, it, it's funny because we the CBA put in all these provisions to help teams keep the players that they drafted, but it's actually having the opposite effect. It's forcing teams to get rid of the players that they drafted because there's just no economically feasible way for them to to manage those contracts without the cap continuing to rise which at this point it's it's kind of stabilized ah man and to be in that situation where you're paying a guy like otto porter jr who's like he's clearly is a good player but is he really a super max kind of level player no I just to, I'm so glad that we're not in that situation as the Lakers organization because we so could have been if we would have swung for the fences for like remember when we were talking with Greg Monroe yes 
and we were we were considering offering Greg Monroe a max deal. Yes, and we were and so so get, mad when he signed with with, uh, with the Milwaukee. Bucks. Yeah, yeah, and then traded to the Suns, cut from the Suns, walk on for the Celtics. Just we were this close to making a catastrophic error, and yeah, we made we made stupid moves with Mozgov and Dang, but those weren't catastrophic at least. Yeah, and and thankfully we made enough good moves in the draft that we were able to to at least right. get out of the Mozgov contract. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, exactly. That like I think the more I think about that that D'Angelo Russell Mozgov trade, uh, the more of a brilliant stroke that becomes. Because if mm. if if that didn't happen, like we're in no place. We're like we're we have no business going after free agents this off season if 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 that trade doesn't happen. You know, and we don't, and we're a terrible, terrible team because we wouldn't have Kuzma, <laughs> and we'd still have D'Angelo and Mozgov. And and so now, now that Hart has shown what he can do, like I'm totally, my mind is blown by Hart's play over these last few games. Yeah. Um, people, people were throwing out, well, you know, the Lakers, if they just didn't get Kuzma with the 27th, they would have gotten Kuzma with the 28th, but then we wouldn't have gotten Josh Hart, yes. and that would have hurt almost as much at this point. Yeah, and what Josh, Josh Barkley's the real deal. You know, like he, he could either be a very, bless you, he could either be like a, a very good player for us or he could be a really nice trade piece because again, bless you again, because again, he's, he's, he's on one of these rookie contracts, you know, and yeah. especially right now with, with money the way it is, that could be really enticing, you know? So Definitely. I think we're going to talk later about like how, what could we package with Dang to, to move that contract, but I, he's someone that as much as I'd like him, could be something that we package to, to make that happen. Yeah. Well, and especially if we're able to get somebody that was like a Paul George that would, like, gum up the starting lineup. Like, there's just no... Hart isn't going to crack the starting lineup if we had Paul George. It's not... He's, he's on the bench forever. And But Hart has shown that he's got the potential, the hustle, the athleticism and awareness to be a starter in the league. And that is so valuable if we have a guy that would just... We don't really know what to do with. Yeah, well, and it's on good. good yeah, and, and and I think with guys like this, players in his situation who played four years in college, who've come into the league, they're older, they're a little more mature, both physically and mentally. Um, I think their trade value is highest early in their rookie contract because relative to the yes. other rookies, they look great because they're stronger and and all the things I just said. So, you know, I think like like Larry Larry Nance is really good but i think his trade value is actually probably a little higher earlier in his his mm -hmm. rookie contract right because he he still was pretty young and you know right now he's 25 i think right but if if not that we should have it it was right to keep him but a 22 year old larry nance who can jump out of the gym and make smart basketball decisions is like pretty enticing on like a 1.8 million dollar contract right and that's kind of what uh, but, Josh, but Josh at that looks at, like. at that point though he was dealing with more injury it's yes. Like was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The injuries complicated things, but injuries aside, like I do yes, think that some totally. of these guys in this situation, their highest trade value is early because then you get usage out of them on that deal. Right. So. It totally um, makes sense. Okay. Last one. That's so funny that that's how that conversation ended. The, the intro to that was resign KCP. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So last one, uh, in or out the reports on Tuesday, uh, that ESPN through Woj and through Ramona Shelburne uh, reported 
that the Lakers weren't going to be active at the deadline were careful and intentional misdirection to improve their negotiating leverage. Well, I was just watching the press conference with Magic and Palenka, and they were talking about in our business, like outside of basketball, or well, I mean within basketball, obviously, but just outside of the Lakers organization, they were saying that they always like to negotiate from a position of strength. They always like to negotiate from a position where they can walk away from the table. And yeah, this totally that, that that's what they they needed to create that air. And if that's their uh, mo, it makes sense that they'd want to go into the negotiations with all of these teams, acting like, eh, you know, we're happy with our team. We don't need anybody. We've got plenty of pieces. Like, you know, make make the other team be the ones that have to come to them. And I and I, I think that they're going to play the same kind of thing a little bit in free agency. I don't think we're going to see as much of a showy, like win them to Los Angeles kind of move. I think that it's going to be a lot more of let the fish come to you, it, to, to use uh, Paul George's favorite sport <laughs> in an analogy. <laughs> Swim on over, buddy. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I I do think that this was like a pretty intentional play by by management. And I guess my my question to that is, how do you think it feels to be so used? Right? Like to be Woj and to be in this weird spot where you have to trust your sources because it's the whole reason that you have a job, but to also know that they lie to you to help themselves. Oh my God. And... The, but the the people that do it the most are agents, and guess who our GM is? He's yeah, an that's agent. true. He's an agent. Yeah, yeah. He's been lying to 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 Woj for years. Yeah, for decades, man. Kobe wants out. <laughs> that whole that whole thing could have just been leverage, man. Kobe might not have ever wanted out. Yeah, I mean, based on some of this, I think maybe that's totally just Rob's play. <laughs> yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I, I'm loving. I'm loving seeing the personality of this front office evolve. It's really cocky. It's super cocky. It's perfect for the organization too. This is exactly what LA needs from the Lakers. Yeah, like Magic. Like he he's not like fun, jovial, dancing around Magic Johnson. This is like you know rookie point guard starting at center in Game Seven of the Finals, Magic Johnson. Right. This is like I can do anything. Just watch me. Yeah. Right. Try yeah. and stop me. Right. Which I love. That's great. I love it. I love it's, it. It's too. better and than it's also, better than like grumbly Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss, like sitting, right. leaning back right. and slouching in their chairs on the sidelines, not doing anything. Dude, they they never wanted to be part of a rebuild. No. Like if you if you look at yeah, as soon as the Chris Paul trade fell apart, like they were done. Yeah. Well, and, and just look at look at the way that Mitch Kupchak always operated. It was always to avoid the rebuild, which was the right move when you have Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Totally makes sense. But yeah, he was he was never interested in gumming up through the draft. And that was just not the way that his front office was going to work. And it makes sense that uh, Magic and Rob would be because they're so CBA minded. Um, and I think I think one thing to add into that, though, is that while they are very cocky, um, I don't think that they are at least as of yet showing their ruthlessness or cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, like yeah, even with fair. this, even with this trade, um, we, uh, which, which transitions nicely into our next subject. Um, we traded uh, two players into good situations yes. and both teams won. Um, Larry Nance gets to go back home 
to Cleveland and he gets to play for Ohio and like he gets to be part of that franchise like his dad. And uh, Jordan Clarkson gets to go play on a playoff team. Right. I mean, yeah, he gets to meaningful minutes in the playoffs for the first time in his career. Yeah. So uh, everybody kind of won here. And I mean, even even uh, Isaiah, like like I know that the dude doesn't want to be on his what's fifth team now or something like that. Um, obviously, he's not happy about that, but he gets he gets another chance to have a fresh look. And if he's able to light it up on the bench, you know, he might get paid next year by some, you know, stupid team. <laughs> Um, so like you said, that transitions nicely into our next topic. <clears throat> so who and what did we get? So Luke, do you want to kind of just run us through, uh, sure. Isaiah Thomas, who he is and what we got, like what we got in him? Mm-hmm. So we, we received Isaiah Thomas, a uh, five foot nine left-handed point guard. He's on the last year of his contract, which Great. is really, I think that's the key here yes. is, uh, he's, he's, uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of this year um he is a uh he's a very interesting player right now offensively because last year he's coming off of his greatest season obviously he was he was shooting um like several several stretches a 30 point per game clip so he was he was killing it last year and so far this season with his what 15 games with the Cavs um he hasn't played very well but again that's only 15 games uh for his career 44.1 field goal percentage 36.3 three-point shooter um pretty high usage rate and he was third in scoring last season so I, I think that I think that we might benefit from him particularly down the stretch later in games that's always been a position that he's been comfortable in and we don't really have a closer necessarily and we have even less of one losing Jordan Clarkson even though we made fun of him all season for (laughs) trying to step into the (laughs) ISO role and failing miserably time and time again but um not to not to hate on Jordan Clarkson he's just funny in in those situations um you know shot clock riding down Jordan Clarkson spins spins air ball blocked just so many times um but yeah so I, IT will give us a, a good player to go to at the end of games. He'll give us some good shooting, but yeah, he is a liability on offense. I mean, on defense, defense, on defense, yeah. and and also we're we're not we're not entirely sure about his health situation or or just how good he is right now in this stage of his career. So um, we're intending to play him heavy minutes. That's the quote, and he is quote ecstatic to be here. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. And I I think that the fast paced system could do well for him, um, but. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get steals with him out on the court. Yeah, I I think, you know, my question around him uh is is like really is he healthy at this point? And and we mm-hmm. we I think, you know, that's we can only speculate on that and that's not fair to him. Um we'll have to wait and see. Um we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of him this season, but yeah, I think that's a kind of great summary of of him. So moving on to Channing Fry, uh I'm I don't really know what to make of Channing Fry at this point in his career. So he's a 6'11 power forward center. Again, he's on an expiring contract, which is great. Um he's he's only averaging like 12 minutes a game this season. Um he's I mean, I think he's a good mentor, good veteran presence. Like he's a smart basketball player. Um, but I just I wonder are we really gonna see much of him in in games? I kind of doubt it. There are some interesting connections though. Uh Rob Polinka used to be his agent, huh. um, and he and Luke played together at Arizona. So I do think that if there's a guy we're going to take care of in all of this, it's probably yeah. him just because there's those kind of family ties. Right. Um, I don't know. What's your take on him? Well, I, I think that 
it really for his uh, play will come down to Thomas Bryant because Thomas Bryant is basically going to be competing for the same minutes, but Thomas Bryant is still obviously super young and getting the majority of his minutes in the G League. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. He just uh, Thomas Bryant got called up for the OKC game. Yep. Uh, we're going to be seeing more of him. And so it's it's going to be a little bit of competition between those two guys, but hopefully there will be some sort of mentorship. Obviously, Channing Fry is in his 15th NBA season, and Thomas Bryant is a rookie. So hopefully hopefully he'll be able to learn some stuff from him. And, um, I, you know, I think we'll see him out there because because we, we're, we don't have Larry Nance out there with his minutes. And yeah, we're going to need some power forward minutes, um, even though we have a ton of forwards. Um, I, I think it will make sense to have, um, you know, he'll probably be averaging similar, like 12.4, somewhere in there. That's still, that sounds like about what he'll be getting with this team. Um, so I, I'm excited. I, that, that's kind of the big thing with these two guys is that the, the season um, needed another kick of excitement. And now there's there's two new guys to watch. Um, there's new dynamics to see evolve. And we're on a little win, winning streak. So I, I think that there's cool momentum right now going into the All-Star break. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the games. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, me too. I mean, we're on we're in like our best winning streak since or at least home winning streak since like the 2011-12 season, which is great. I think you made a good point about Larry Nance's minutes. So Nance is uh Nance averaged 22 minutes per game and those obviously have to go somewhere. I think you're right. I think a decent amount of those are going to go to Kuzma, but he's already averaging almost 30 minutes a game. So only yeah. so many of those can go to him. So yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think we probably see ten to twelve minutes a game out of out of uh, out of Fry, mm-hmm. and then maybe the rest are split between, um, you know, Randall and uh, like you said, maybe uh, Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Just not Dang. That's the one thing we can say for sure. Dang <laughs> will not see any of those minutes. Um, so the other thing we got in the trade was the Cavaliers' 2018 top three protected first round pick. Want to be very clear: this is not the Brooklyn pick. This is the wow. Cavaliers pick. Um, and if the draft were to happen today, it would likely be the 24th pick in the draft. We've had some pretty great luck with, with uh, mid-20s picks lately. Um, do you have any thoughts about this pick, Luke, or what it means to us? First of all, I don't understand the protection. Top Thank three you. protected? Thank you. That was literally what I was just about to ask. Yeah, the Cavs have won 31 games this season. They could lose every single game for the rest of the season, and they would not be a bottom three team in the league. So it's super weird. I, it's, I, yes. Yes. There, yeah. There are, there are like six teams projected to win less than 30 games this season if their records continue the way they are. So I know those protections seem so silly. So arbitrary. But yeah, I, I love it. I, I don't I don't think that they'll finish 24th. I think it will end up being right where we're familiar. That 27. 26 through 20, <laughs> 28th, you know, somewhere in between there. Yeah, that, that that 27th pick is really the sweet spot for the Lakers. And I like it too because we've seen, uh, I think that the best analog uh, from recent NBA history is the Spurs. The Spurs were able to get a ton of great players in that late 20s yes. kind of space, and and that was part of the reason why they were able to build a culture that kept them in the playoffs for so damn long, and, and it still is paying out dividends today until inevitably Kawhi leaves and Pop retires. <laughs> I'm calling that now. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, two to three years, I think, okay. I think that the Spurs are going to have to go into much more of a rebuild mode. They'll so, just have LaMarcus. And yeah. So speaking of the Spurs, just one funny thing I want to share with you. For a, a sec, for a segment later in the pod, I was going through and looking at which teams have first-round picks available, like which teams still have their first-round uh-huh. picks this season. Um, and pretty much every team, it's like 
maybe they have their pick, maybe they don't. And then there's another pick that they've traded for or traded away. Something like that, right? But it's very complicated. It's not clean. None of these are clean. It's always like, this pick has been traded to this team, then to this team, then to this team, and it's deferring, right? It's all that kind of stuff. Then you get to the Spurs page, and it's clean. It's, it's pristine. Wow. They, have their, they have their own first-round pick and their own second-round pick, and that's it for, like, every draft for the next three years. Three, it's, it's so bizarre. It's like even, even their draft pick spreadsheet looks nicer and has better culture than everybody else's. So funny. Yeah, they, they just... They're just so buttoned up. a different up. organization. Yeah, yeah, they are. In all, are. In all ways. Um, okay, and then the last thing we got is sure. cap flexibility. Yes. Biggest right. thing. So at this point, over $60 million in cap space going into the offseason. Uh, for our listeners, John, could you, could you dig into a little bit of the cap situation that we're getting into, talk a little bit more about how uh, the, the cap smoothing was first uh, described to the players and kind of the situation that we're in now? Because I think that that's really the biggest leverage that the Lakers have. And I, I like people have, have been hearing, oh, the Lakers have cap room. The Lakers have cap room for years now. And it hasn't mattered. We've struck out on free agents. We ended up just ha- having to basically fill it like, uh, I guess we'll take that guy on a one-year deal. We'll take that guy on a one-year deal. How, what makes this offseason different than the offseasons prior? Yeah, the difference with, uh, <clears throat> the difference with this offseason... Um, is that most of the money is already taken up. So if you think about it, the players earn uh, 51% of basketball-related income, right? And that's where we come up with the salary cap, is we take that number and we divide it across all the teams, and that, that defines what the salary cap is. Um, and I, I don't remember off the top, it's like 30, uh, it's like $30 billion, roughly, right? Something like that is the total basketball-related income. Um, and of that, uh, like $20 billion of that is, uh, is already taken. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, $3 billion, not 30 Yeah, It's like $3 billion, three, three point something billion dollars in basketball-related income, and that's spread out, which gives us our like $101, $102 million um, salary cap spread across 30 teams. So of that $3 billion, the, the majority of it is already signed to committed contracts from guys who signed uh, in the prior to the 16-17 season, right? <clears throat> when the cap jumped from $70 million to $94 million, right? Jumped by $24 million. And so that was the year when we signed Mozgov and Dang, right? And a lot of teams did that. Um, they signed these giant contracts because everyone thought everyone had money. Harrison um, Barnes. Harrison Barnes is another great example. And to your point, though... $94 million. $94 million for Harrison Barnes. Yeah, yeah. So to your point, though, essentially the the owners suggested to the Players Association that we do cap smoothing. So we take that $24 million bump and we spread it out over, you know, three or four years so that we don't have this jump, right? So that we don't end up in the cash crunch that we are now. The Players Association thought that the owners were trying to dupe them, presumably. I, you know, I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of the narrative, is that the players were like, no, these are just owners trying to keep us from getting our money. We want all of our money right now. Um, and the result of that was the cap spiked. And then since then, it hasn't really, you know, it's, it was $94 million. It's like 100-ish million this year. It's going to be a little over $100 million next year. It hasn't grown in the same way. Um, and all of the money is already taken up, basically. And so... There, that, that's why you see Lou Williams only getting $8 million next year. 
So from that, do you think that it makes the most sense for us to go after two max players or go after one and then get a bunch of role players that we can get for basically bargain prices? It's a good question. Um, the, the, most of the sort of like modern NBA teams right now have um, pretty big income disparity, right? Like they have a pretty big wealth gap where it's like they've got a few players making all the money and a bunch of players making not very much money. Um, superstars make a difference. They really do. That's, that's why yes. they're superstars. And so I think my inclination is to get them, especially if you've got the money for them, especially if right. you've got the money for them when no one else does. That's the yes. thing. We find ourselves that's in a situation thing. where no one else does. And so to give a sense of, of these, of what these max contracts actually are. Um, so the ma- basically depends on how many years you're in the league. So maximum salary of a player with six or fewer years of experience is either $25.5 million or 25% of the total salary cap, right? So $101 million is the projected salary cap for next year, um, whichever is greater. Um, for a player with seven to nine years of experience, the max is $30.6 million or 30% of the cap. And for a player with 10-plus years of experience, the max is $35.7 million LeBron. or 35% of the cap. Yeah, so Paul George falls into the seven to nine-year category. LeBron falls into the 10-plus-year category. Um, and then, uh, there is an exception, which is a player is able to sign a contract for 105% of his previous contract, even if the new contract is higher than the league limit. That's the this thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we find ourselves. And so when we look at the cap right now, and when we look at kind of where we sit, um, without, uh, without any max deals next year, um, and if we stretch Deng's contract, which we could do, uh, we'd have about $71 million in cap space next season. And that includes paying for our draft pick. That includes like us giving our $1.3 million salary to our pick, assuming that it's the 24th pick. So do we want to this off season or should we just get the one? Well, I, I don't, I think to be honest, I don't really know if that's, I mean, are you asking if, it, if it's up to me? Like, yeah, I think you get your two. Um, but but here's here's the problem I see. LeBron's, I don't think LeBron's going to be the first to go. Like Jalen Rose always jokes that he was the last of the Fab Five to sign, right? He was not going there unless all the other guys were going there. And I kind of think that that's the seat that LeBron James likes to be in, right? He's not going to come to the Lakers unless he knows that Paul George is coming or that DeMarcus Cousins is coming. And DeMarcus is tricky because of, of the injury, right? So <clears throat> we basically have Paul George and LeBron to think about. So then I start to wonder, is there a trade in play, right? There are these guys, come, they're, they're, you know, Butler, Clay Thompson, and Kawhi, who are all going to be on expiring contracts next year, right? If any of those teams get a sense that they're not going to stick around, a la what happened with Paul, Paul George this year, it's not impossible that we could trade for one of them, right? So, I, but I think for, 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 for me, I don't think LeBron comes by himself. I think Paul George might come by himself just because of his ties to the, to the region. Um, I think DeMarcus might come by himself if, if we max him out and no one else will, but that's taking on a pretty big risk. So to be honest, I still don't know, even if even though we have all this cap space, if it's a slam dunk that we're going to 
just be able to sign free agents this year because there is only a couple free agents worth giving the max to at this point. Right. And something else to that point that I think is an interesting just part of the mechanics of what this offseason will bring is restricted free agency. So when when a player is under restricted free agency, which I believe Randall is this offseason, you're able to match whatever the offer sheet is from the from an, another team. And because there isn't as much money flying around, we might be able to extend really good offers to restricted free agents uh, in the in the upcoming um, couple seasons, so that that opens up uh, an interesting way that if we were pairing people with LeBron, say for example, and he like he wanted to know like oh we got to get this guy we got to get this guy we can extend really good qualifying offers to some of these uh, restricted free agents. So, yeah, obviously, it's a little, little bit more of like role players, um, but yeah, there's there's definitely the potential uh, to to get a few pieces. But yeah, I'm not 100 percent sold on LeBron because I really do think that he is so short term focused at this point in his career that he wants a team that he can win a championship with next year and even though the Lakers have got a lot of really interesting pieces and a lot of talent it doesn't look like a team that's just a LeBron away from a championship you know yeah I totally agree you know as much as I love our guys I I I I totally am with you on this I don't think that our current roster plus LeBron is better than the Warriors Rockets seems like the yeah I think the Rockets would be the place that would make the most sense for him to go at this point It'll just, that'd just be so stupid. It'd just be such a, stu- like, God, the league will be so frustrating if it's the Rockets with Harden and LeBron, Chris Paul, and just, I mean, come on. Yeah. That, whatever. <laughs> but I think yeah. that's kind of where we're headed. That That's at least gut feeling is what seems to make most sense to me. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so to talk a little bit about Dang, if we could for a minute. Yes, please. Um, we kind of have some options with him, right? We can we can keep paying him. We can stretch his contract. So this offseason, we could stretch his contract. Um, and it would basically be stretched for five years at $7.3 million per year, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if we are going to try to sign two guys that are going to cost us $30 million plus, we don't have a lot of room to, to bring in anybody else. Um, so this leads me to the belief that I think we should try to use this pick, uh, to trade dang. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should maybe be willing to, to, to tie somebody with it. So like package dang first round pick, maybe even Josh Hart if we have to. Yeah. That seems, that seems to make sense because he would be a guy that we could lose and not be super hurting. And I could see him like being a really attractive uh, guy, especially by the end of the season. If he continues this level of growth by the end of the season, his stock might be through the roof. Yeah. And yeah, if, if we were able to, if we were able to turn a, a 28th pick in the first round, plus, you know, a, a late twenties pick into freeing up dang, I, I think that that makes perfect sense just from a, a numbers perspective. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that that's probably the price of getting off dang's yeah. contract. Yeah. But I, I think that it might be. Um, and I think, it would be, I think it could be worth it because uh, if we look at our salary situation, um, if we look at our salary situation with Dang gone, right? So if we don't have Dang and if we don't have a new first-round pick coming in, the guys under contract are Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Tyler Ennis, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I'll say Josh Hart for now, but we might lose that. Uh, 
Zubac and Thomas Bryant. Let's say just for the sake of numbers that we signed LeBron James and Paul George to $35.7 million and $30.6 million respectively, we'd still have $13.5 million to play with. And now if we get rid of Josh Hart, we've got $15.2 million. Now we could sign Julius Randle and Contavious Caldwell-Pope to mid-level exception contracts, those $8.9 million contracts, and be mm-hmm. less than a million dollars into the luxury tax. Yes. Which that the sounds Lakers, pretty good to me. At this point, you know that we're going to go into the tax and smile while we do it at this point. You know, like, I feel like the, I feel like the front office is like, I can't wait till we're getting taxed yeah. just because that that's our natural position. And we've been out of it for so long and been making so much money with that spectrum time Warner. Let's call it what it is. The time <laughs> Warner deal. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. I know you're still the same evil company. That time Warner deal is, you know, it's a billion dollars. The, their valuation now is like $3.3 billion. Yeah. They have, they have plenty of money and they haven't been spending it. And once we're able to go into that tax, we are going to go deep into that tax and not have a problem with it. I mean, if Dan Gilbert can do it, the Lakers sure can do it. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that that might be the path, right? To trade dang plus the pick plus heart to someone who needs a first round pick, free up that space. Now we have room for uh, two max deals and two mid-level exception contracts. Um, I think that that's probably the, the best route to go. So here's the question. There are six teams who do not have a first round pick in the 2018 draft. Here they are. Miami Heat, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Detroit Pistons, the Toronto, excuse me, Toronto. They don't pronounce the T I learned. Toronto Raptors. Huh. Uh, the Houston Rockets, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Those are the six teams. Do you think any of those teams like, really would care enough about Hart plus a pick to be willing to take on Deng's contract? Maybe the Pistons. I mean, the Heat used to have Deng, so I could see them overvaluing what he could bring to their organization. Um, Heat or Pistons, those are probably the two. And I, like, I, I could even see the Clippers going for it. You know, especially if the Clippers are looking at DeAndre Jordan and saying, like, we're keeping him or we're not going to get that contract off the books or whatever. Because uh, when when is his when his contract expires? Got one more year. I think it was one more year. Yeah, one more year. Um, so like, if if they're already looking at it and they're like, okay, we don't have a ton of cap flexibility. We're not going to sign a free agent in the next few years. They could just absorb Dang, get another pick, get Josh Hart, and stretch Dang. Um, and it I kind of would make sense for what Jerry West is trying to do with the organization in terms of collecting as many picks as he can, developing for like five years down the road, and uh, getting young assets. I, it would kind of check all of those boxes for him. So I, I don't know. I could see the, even the Clippers being a potential trade partner in that. Sure, yeah, that's fair. I think, I think of these six, I could see the Heat, Pelicans, or Pistons potentially being yeah. interested in it. Um, I think the Thunder could be interested if Paul George leaves, but I also don't think that Sam Hinkie is going to like help the Lakers out by taking the Deng contract if we take Paul George from him. So right. I think that's probably unlikely. Um, so here's, here's my next question, right? Uh, let's say that we trade Deng and the first round pick and Hart and we get off that contract, right? Um, we have to trade it for something, first of all. Right? Like we can't just give it away. Yeah, because we the, um, the salaries have to 
the equivalent, right? Don't we need to get somebody that's uh, expiring in return or something that has it? Yeah, I mean, there, there are rules around it, but we, the biggest, you know, in simplest terms, like we have to take something back for it. <laughs> um, so I think that's part of the question. So th- that's part of my question is like, what is there to take back? My other question is, if we do that, what would we then still have left to trade for, say, a second superstar? Let's say LeBron doesn't come and we don't want to pay DeMarcus or he stays with the, the, the uh, Pelicans. Let's say Paul George does come. Let's say Paul George comes and we say, okay, we want to bring in a second guy and we're willing to make a trade for Kawhi or Clay or Jimmy Butler, right? Like, to me, it seems like we have to give up Ball, Ingram, or Kuzma to make that happen. If we re-sign Randall to a reasonable deal, no, yeah, probably no. Not. I mean, for, so to, to give p- up to give up like a yeah, like a like a mid twenties superstar, right? I think I they're know, gonna. Not... I think they're gonna want Ball, Ingram, or Kuzma in that case. Yeah. Yeah, and that'd be so tough because it, that'd be the potential of just trading a younger cheaper superstar in the making for one yeah. that's already done. So I wonder though if if looking at what the Lakers have done this past off season if we can gain some insight into what they're going to do in the future. And I think that might be patience. Mhm. Right? Yeah. I could totally see them pitching Paul George hopefully getting him maybe not pitching DeMarcus hopefully getting him maybe not right. But I could totally see them coming out of this off season with with one player and a ton of cap space and saying, no thanks, Timberwolves. No thanks, uh, Spurs, right? No yeah. thanks, Warriors. We'll just wait until they're free agents. Right. Yeah. And, and I, think be, I think we're so close that it's probably worth the wait, you know? Mm-hmm. And the trick will just be, can they get someone to sign this offseason? I think that's the thing. I think we have right. to get one person this offseason, at least. If we can get two, great. I think we have to get one. I also think that uh, to that point, I think we're going to be a really good destination for one-year deals in this upcoming offseason if yep. we don't end up signing two because like we're going to just have money to play with. And yep. so any of the people that were like in KCP's situation where they got burned by their team or they didn't think they got the contract that they deserved, which... Come to LA. Like, like as we're saying, like that's going to be most of the league that ha- that's a free agent this year. Yep. They're yep. not going to get the contract that they were envisioning two years ago. Yep. And so we can pay them. We can overpay them for a one-year yeah. deal. And potentially those would be trade pieces. That's what I was about it, to say. Those yeah. become expiring deals. Yep, you're totally and, right. And expiring deals that we could deal to uh, to rising contenders. Like people people that are like, I really need that three-point right, shooter. One piece away or, from... Con- yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you there. So... Um, one thing I want to ask about, there was a rumor about uh, Isaiah Thomas's agent saying that if he doesn't start, that they will seek a buyout. I already kind of told you, I think I'm, I think I'm in on the buyout. Do you think that this is more agent, agent talk trying to influence I, I think people so. or do you think this is real? I think so because I, I don't understand the buyout at this point if he's like, if he's going to get significant, significant minutes, I feel like he's at a terrible point in terms of just his momentum of his career, he needs to prove to people that he's worth a big contract. And if he seeks a buyout this year, what is he going to make next year? I, 
It just doesn't seem like it makes sense, even from the agent's perspective. The agent wants to get paid. The agent gets paid based on percentage. He needs Isaiah Thomas to get a big contract. He's got to go out there and show his stuff. So I, I, don't, I don't see how it makes sense from the player perspective. I, I just think it's just grumbling just trying to get more minutes. That's Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think if he does play, I would like to see him in a minimal role that is no more than bench scorer, right? Like spark yeah. off the bench kind of player. Yeah. I think any more than that is going to be a detriment to our young players' development. Mm-hmm. And also, again, I, 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 don't, I don't think he's fully healthy yet. He just he isn't, like he yeah. doesn't have the same spark that he had before. Um, so I think it could also be bad for him. Right. And, and I, I think that, I think that he can get some significant time again in the fourth quarter. Like if he's, if he's playing well off the bench that game, like Walton has shown that he'll roll with guys. Like we saw Jordan Clarkson and stuff when he was shooting well, getting some significant minutes, even though he was technically a bench player for a lot of the season. We, we see other guys that, that were on the bench like Randall or whatever that, that end up providing the spark that they need and then finishing out the fourth quarter. I could see Isaiah being in that same kind of situation. And I'm also, I'm also kind of curious to see how Lonzo works with someone like that. Um, just particularly in terms of just orchestrating an offense, like is he just going to play ISO ball and just slow down the whole thing? Or will he be able to uh, step up as kind of a sharpshooter in some situations or be able to roll off screens really well and, and kind of, run some of those two guard plays for him, even though he's short. Like if he's, yeah. if he's running off like a few double screens, like I could see, I could see it particularly working because we just don't have a ton of shooting. Um, and we have even less now that we don't have Clarkson. So um, like we're, we're going to need somebody to shoot the ball. And yeah. he's, if he's healthy, he seems like a decent option for that. Yeah. And his size matters much less in transition offense. Right. Exactly. Which is where we live. You know, our half court offense. Every time, every time we end up in the half court, I'm, I'm kind of like, my breathing gets a little heavy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I want to share one thing before we yeah. go, and that is after last night's win against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which felt great. Uh, Paul George's parents were in attendance again at Staples Center. Uh, <laughs> the the crowd chanted, "We want Paul." Uh, after last night's win, we're 23 and 31. Uh, which means, Luke, that we are now on pace for 34.9 wins. Obviously, you can't win 0.9 of a game, right? So we're on pace for 35 wins. In December, we were on pace for like 23 wins or 24 yeah. wins, something terrible like that. So obviously, the team has really turned it around. They're in a great place right now. But also, the over-under was 35. So <laughs> I didn't put money on it, but I'm on the record saying that I think we'd be over. So... um we're, we're almost back. So hopefully the team can maintain this, right? We're, yeah. we're at uh, 54 games left in the season, right? So we only have 28 games left, mm-hmm. and we only need to win 13 of those to be... Ex- not, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was <laughs> bad. That was terrible, terrible math. Um, we only need to win... Yeah, 13 of those. Yeah, we need to win 13 of those to be uh, th- above 35. And I think that's possible. 13 out of 28... Mm-hmm. We can do that. I think we can do that too. And yeah, going back to December, that was a really just a particularly rough month um, in terms of the road trip and in terms of just the, the quality of play uh, that, that we were facing from our opponents. Like we were playing a ton of playoff teams in that month. And then we just had so many games that we just lost in the last 30 seconds. And so, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because I, I really think that we could have snatched like three or four of those games in December. They were really 
right within our fingertips. And that would have, that could have put us into the camp of, you know, 38, 39, 40 wins. And all of a sudden you're talking about potentially an eighth seed. Yeah. So, I mean, the, that, the Pelicans are 28 and 25 right now and they're the eighth seed. Like, and they're, yeah, and they're, they're going to be losing. Like, yes. Yes. So if we could have won, injuries. if we could have won a couple more games in December, no. we could really be right, be right there on the verge. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how we finish out this uh, how, out the season. Obviously, it doesn't feel like we're a playoff team yet, but it's nice to at least feel like we weren't tanking. We were knocking on the door. There was a chance for the eighth seed with a free agency acquisition where I think we're a lock for the playoffs. So yeah. that's a that's a cool place to be. Yeah, it is a great day in Lakerland and a great day to be a Laker fan. The sun is shining in L.A. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us, guys. I want to thank all of our followers. And again, please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and uh, check us out on social media. And you can find our social media links at www.LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. And thank you, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. Uh, There was a really nice note uh, that they both left on Instagram, particularly Clarkson's. Um, All of the nicknames for the guys on the team. My favorite was Slenderman. I believe that that's for Ingram. Yes, it is. It's killing me. They keep teasing him that he's got a movie coming out. It's killing me, and uh, and I, I'm I'm happy for Larry Nance. Like he's they're they're both going to be in good situations in Cleveland. I'm excited to watch them. Obviously, we're going to be lifelong fans of those two guys, just like we're lifelong fans of Lou Williams now. Even though he's on the hated Clippers, like yep. they gave they and and Swaggy, like they those guys gave us some light and some hope in like a hopeless, desolate time yes. as a Laker fan. Yes. So, lifelong fans, hoping for their success, and um, you know, hopefully. Nance can like posterize uh, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or something in the finals. Like, <laughs> here's here's my prediction for the slam dunk contest. Shoot it. Larry Nance wears a Laker jersey at some point. Oh my god. And does a tribute to his dad in some way. That'd be sweet. Either mimics that'd his be sweet. dad's dunk or he has his dad lob it to him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my that's great. my prediction. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited. But yeah, <laughs> lifelong fans of those guys, hoping for the best. Thank you for giving us hope in the darkest time in Laker history. And I'll always remember that uh, first, that rookie year of Jordan Clarkson really fondly. That was that was pretty special. So thanks yep. to those guys. And thanks to our uh, listeners for uh, joining us on this crazy journey back up to playoffs and then back up to the championship. Take care. See ya.